Summer driving is here, and so are the red-hot deals on the best tire brands at Dobbs. Money saver June deals on new sets of Goodyear, Cooper, Continental, Michelin, and Pirelli tires. Click on GoToDobbs.com to find your next set of tires today. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Carriker and Smallman. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN at 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Randy Carriker, Michelle Smallman. Good morning. Good morning, Randy. How are you doing today? Everything's great. Looking forward to another day of, uh, well, not baseball or basketball or hockey or... Randy, why would you have to start this out with a bummer? I mean, come on. You brought donuts in today. I did. The sun is shining here in St. Louis, and then you have to bring up the fact we have no sports Uh, still. Okay, sunshine lollipops. How about this? (laughs) There you go. Because St. Louis County's public health restrictions will be reduced starting on May 18th. The county executive of the great county of St. Louis, Sam Page, tweeted yesterday, St. Louis County's public health restrictions will be reduced starting May 18th. We'll have more detailed guidelines by the end of the week, which will continue emphasizing social distancing practices, including wearing a mask, avoiding large crowds, and staying home when possible. So there's still the hope that people will quarantine and not assemble in large crowds and practice social distancing. That being said, there will hopefully be businesses that will be allowed to open up and the economy will hopefully start to creep towards a level of normalcy. And Sam Page is going to have more later this morning, but that's a little bit of good news. Absolutely. We need to make a big countdown calendar in the studio mm-hmm. or maybe like a sounder, of, you know, 11 days until restrictions are, are be released and things like that. But um I'm really thrilled to hear that there is a potential date on the horizon for this to start slowly coming back. It's giving people a glimmer of hope. And honestly, if we've made it through this many days, we can make it through the next 12 days. But Part of me is very excited about that. The other part of me is nervous because it is putting the responsibility in in other people's hands. And as we have seen across the country, that isn't necessarily working for a lot of places. And apparently baseball is feeling that way. They're a little bit cautious. While you were sleeping, Ken Rosenthal put this up at The Athletic. He said... There is no plan, can be no plan, until Major League Baseball gains a clearer perspective on which states are containing COVID-19 well enough for games to be played safely in their most stripped-down form without fans. Assuming the league even reaches that point, the plan will need to be adaptable because the coronavirus is unpredictable. The season will look like no other season, featuring not just a shorter schedule, but also one subject to frequent change. And he goes on to say, that the Cleveland Indians did have a Zoom meeting with their employees and they brought up the idea of a July 1st start date for the Major League season and a June 10th date to start spring training, which is what Trevor Plouffe had tweeted a couple of days ago. But according to Ken Rosenthal, the Indians just want their players to be prepared if the league meets all of the logistical challenges necessary to play. 
there's probably a laundry list of logistical challenges left to play. But as we spoke about yesterday, at some point, one of these leagues is going to just have to go for it. And I think it's interesting that when you read about baseball and you read about the way the players have reacted, most of them seem to be on board with whatever this is going to look like. And they're a little bit more eager to get out and and try what their new reality would be and get things rolling. When, as you read about the NBA, you're reading about teams having Zoom meetings and a lot of players there saying that they still don't feel comfortable are ready to come back and get this rolling. That's why when I read this about baseball, I guess in my mind, based on all of the, that information that I had gathered, I thought baseball would be the first league, you know, ready to go. Here's the date. Here's what we're going to do. And then you read this from Ken Rosenthal, who's obviously very plugged in. Mm-hmm. He's talking to a lot of people. And if he's saying, hey, while this is being put out there, there's still a lot that has to happen. I mean, we were just talking about it. It takes players, pitchers, a while to get ready to go. So if this is in fact the date, this July 1st, June 10th dates that they're targeting, they need to get ready soon. Blake Snell of the the Rays was on with Golick and Wingo and talked about the preparation leading up to a normal baseball season. I would say probably six weeks. And I think and I think it would be sped up to where pitchers just need to get built up to like three innings and we'll just have a lot more pitchers and players to play the games. But yeah, I would say six weeks. I mean, I'm doing everything I can to just stay in shape and be as ready as I can be, but I still think it takes six weeks to get ready. For a normal starting pitcher, that's exactly what it is. It's six weeks, five to six weeks to get you up to six or seven innings. But as he mentioned, at the beginning of a season, it's going to be three innings. We'll probably have all 40 guys on a roster with the major league club. And you'll have pitchers that start and go three innings and then have another one that goes a couple of innings. And you'll have, out of the 40 guys on your roster, you'll probably have 25 pitchers, 25-man pitching staffs, and you'll cobble together games that way. Yeah, you're going to have to be creative. But if that's the case, if you need at least six weeks, they're going to have to make an announcement within the next calendar week or so, right? Right. But I don't think that it's going to be the six weeks to get up to five or six or seven innings. I think they'll work three weeks and those pitchers will work their way up to multiple innings as during the season. The The second, the first three weeks of the season probably will be the second half of spring training. Mm-hmm. That's the way I'm looking at it. Which is interesting because I think a lot of players are, for a manager, you're gauging a, a lot of progress from players, making a lot of decisions early on based on what you've seen in spring training. And it's going to be very different for them to watch their players develop in a spring training in real time when games matter. Yeah. Now, another big part of this and the reason that they would open up, Michelle, obviously, is money, right? Right. That's ultimately why the owners and why the players want to come back. And Rosenthal writes, the players have already agreed to prorate their salaries, with Union Chief Tony Clark telling the Associated Press that negotiation is over. The league doesn't agree, saying further adjustments would be necessary because in games without fans, the clubs would spend more on salaries than they would earn in revenue. The union disputes that point of view. Everybody can agree that without fans, baseball is going to lose about between 37 and 40 percent of the revenue that they generate. A a typical team gets 60 to 65 percent of their revenue from television, from merchandising, uh, from ancillary income, and then 37 to 40 Forty percent of the money that is generated by a typical major league team comes from their gate revenue. Well, if the players are going to, let's throw out the idea of two thirds of the games. Okay, so 
Uh, let's see, that'll be about a little over 100 games. Okay, so they're going to play with a prorated salary. Well, the owners are saying we're making 60% of what we were making over those 110 games. You're going to have to make that percentage of revenue too because it doesn't seem logical that the owners should have to spend more than they're making on player salaries. Agree, and I'm not normally pro-owner, but it's just the math here. You know, the players are going to have to be a little bit more amenable than they would probably like, but I think a lot of them are probably sitting around saying, I'd rather take a pro-rated check than no check at all, right? Right, and if you're you're Tony Clark, you have to play hardball. You have to get everything you can, and obviously Scott Boris is pushing him really hard. But the reality of the situation is if if your manager – it, hey, we're a perfect example. We, we've had a lot of cuts around here yep. because we our revenues have taken a big hit. Mm-hmm. If the ownership of a company takes a big revenue hit, then the the employees can't make what they planned on making before. It's just not logical. And they've, unfortunately, the players have had time to do those numbers and figure out that it's not going to be the same. You've, yeah. I mean, reality has been unfolding in every industry around America. So it, it's a kind of, to me at this point, if they're still in the state of mind thinking that their checks are going to look the same, then it's very short-sighted on their part. And let's just look at it from this perspective. A guy like Paul Goldschmidt is making $23 million a year. If they go into a 162-game season... And all of a sudden, there are no fans. There's an, and every single player expects to make his full salary. Bill DeWitt is going to be making about sixty percent of what he anticipated making. So, the Paul Goldschmidt would be disingenuous to believe that his share should be more than ownership's share. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the great things about the salary cap, by the way, is that. The NHL and the NFL and the NBA players get a percentage of the revenue that's generated. Baseball has always felt entitled to more, and it just doesn't work that way. I also think players are in kind of a precarious situation because even with their reduced potential game checks that they would be getting, they're still making a lot more than the average American. And there are millions and millions of people out of work right now. And... Everyone is dying for sports to come back, but I can see a lot of people out there, if you see players fighting over millions of dollars saying, I deserve million millions more when you're sitting in your home trying to feed your family and you're out of work, that could really rub a lot of people the wrong way. So they need to be careful about that too, which yeah. I, I get it. Everything is relative. They're wanting what they feel like they've earned and what they're deserved. So I understand that part of you. But like I said, they're in a precarious spot because they're trying to get what they feel like they deserve. But also, by doing that, you could get the perception of what's happening uh, viewed in a different light by fans. Ultimately, baseball has to take a cautious approach. And I have no doubt that Ken Rosenthal is giving us baseball's version of this, that they have to take a cautious approach. Approach. That being said, Anthony Fauci, who's the preeminent infectious disease doctor in the world, and the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, and even the governor of uh, California, Gavin Newsom, to an extent, although he did say he didn't think that there would be sports uh, this year in that state. But all of them said that they would like to see sports played in some way, shape, form, or manner. And especially I look at Fauci and Cuomo because you've got a doctor and you've got the governor of the state who's been most affected 
by this, both saying that they think that games could be played in home ballparks during the summer. I prefer to look at it that way. I'm going to put my blinders on and be positive. I'm with you. Let's drink, <laughs> let's drink that positivity right up, Randy. So we've got some positivity, positivity Kool-Aid here on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. I love it. So that's the latest. We'll know more from the county executive and Mayor Lada Cruzan later today about what what's happening here in St. Louis. And obviously what they say will have an effect on whether or not the Cardinals would, for example, be able to start spring training on June 10th. So we'll be waiting for their announcements later this morning and we'll bring you up to date on those. You stick around here at 101 ESPN. As we get rolling here, Albert Pujols is in the last couple of years of his contract and People have always asked, well, what about Albert coming back here to sign one more contract with the Cardinals? Maybe that'll be more of a possibility in 2022 than we originally thought. We'll tell you why next on 101 ESPN. That was Danny Mac yesterday with us here on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, and we do welcome your texts all the time to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. And people that have made their way over here from the fast lane understand Randy <laughs> as uh, we get a couple of texts. Number one, uh, quick, someone stop Randy from doing math. <laughs> and another one, Michelle, don't let Randy do math. I so, like that they're putting the responsibility on me. Little yeah. do they know I'm worse at math than you are. <laughs> I was trying to do the okay two-thirds of a season and then 60 percent that was tough when when you said 60 percent i squinted my eyes and i thought i'm already not great with numbers and it's really early in the morning i'm just gonna nod my head and say yep mm -hmm." (laughs) okay i gotta ask this question and we want you to weigh in you can use the mic drop feature with the 101 espn app and leave us a rhino shield mic drop or just send us a text and uh, we'll get to you during this segment with the air comfort service text line 65780 but Albert Pujols has been obviously in decline offensively for the last four years, and really since he got to Anaheim. But would you be willing to sacrifice some offense and maybe some wins so that you could have one more year of Albert Pujols as a DH in a Cardinal uniform in 2022 at the age of 42? What's the price tag? Uh, he's reasonably cheap. He's $6 million. I wonder if he would even take less, considering the way that things ended here in St. Louis and the fact that he said he wasn't mm-hmm. leaving for, or it was more money and it ended up being a menial amount of money mm-hmm. comparatively based on what the Cardinals offered him. But I am a huge fan of storylines. I am a huge fan of history. And I think that seeing that story end that way Having him, excuse me, have his farewell tour, if you will, here in St. Louis, especially after, uh, you know, baseball, all these changes that are about to happen and fans are going to be looking for something to be proud of and happy of. I think it would be great to see him come back and have one final season here in St. Louis. If this were the Royals, if this were... The Padres, and I, they still haven't won. But the Royals trying to be, bring back uh, Carlos Beltran at the end of his career. And the expectation of winning isn't that great. Let me throw another one that's timely out there. If it's the Pirates bringing back Andrew McCutcheon mm-hmm. to DH for a year, and there's not the expectation of winning, I would feel differently about it. However, 
This is a guy whose OPS over the last five years have been 787, 780, 672. Then he did have a 700 bounce back. And then last year in limited action, uh, 734. He's been okay, but he, in the next three years, is not going to improve. My concern would be that he would, the Cardinals would be beholden to that sentiment of having him take at-bats, and it would be at the expense of winning. For If you have a guy that you can hit, they've got a, a kid named Lucan Baker who can hit. He's a giant first baseman. If you're going to play a 42-year-old Albert Pujols over a guy who is on the ascent, I don't think I'd want to see that. I would rather see the team, in my mind, trying to compete. And I think the Cardinals are good at that. I'm concerned about them keeping Yadier Molina around during his descent because of sentimentality. And they know better than I. They evaluate their players professionally every single day. But I I don't think I'd like to see that because 42-year-old guys just are generally not effective in this day and age. Barry Bonds was effective at 42. This is a different era. (laughs) I like the way you phrased that, Randy. It was not lost on me. I agree And I also think we in St. Louis have been spared of those years from Albert. He hasn't been the villain in that manner. He hasn't been the villain on the field. The last experience that we've had with him on the field, yes, he returned in an Anaheim Angels uniform, but it was a celebration of his career Mm -hmm. and a celebration of the relationship St. Louis has with Albert. And if that's the, the last moment that we really have with him, I think that's a beautiful way to send it off, a home run, everything. But I guess there's still part of me that thinks about Albert 1.0 when he's in a Cardinals uniform mm-hmm. and the the fact that he would be so energized to come back here and in that role prove his worth and have a, a wonderful final chapter here in St. Louis that I watched him with my own two eyes get up to that plate and do magical things all the time. So even though the reality of it is that he's a much different player, he's older, his numbers certainly bear out that he wouldn't be as effective Mm -hmm. as I'm probably thinking of, there's still a part of me that thinks he is Albert Pujols and he is a different player. And I wonder if this wouldn't bring a different side of him. Because, I mean, look at... Kobe in his last game, the way that he he went out. I mean, the great ones seem to summon something in the end when it matters. But that was the last game. game. I know. It was a singular game. Totally different. And so I, I get, I love sentimentality because that's kind of what baseball is about. One of the reasons that the movie Field of Dreams was so popular is because it kind of espoused the sentiment of baseball. Here's a text from the 314. I would do it only if we can have Albert and Yachty. They want that sentimentality. Bring back Chris Carpenter, too, for one more round. I think Carp could probably go out there and give you a few innings. Now, here's a question. When you brought how much is it going to cost, I would do it, but would Didi be insulted again? (laughs) That's never going to die down, is it? I don't think so. Here's the one from the 812. Pujols do not agree to bring him back for a farewell tour. It has to be because it's best for the team. This is a win-loss business. I've reached that point in my life where that's the way I'm looking at it. And when I was a kid, Lou Brock was my favorite player. And I was thrilled when the Cardinals brought him back. And he wound up hitting 300 in his last year. And I would love, would have loved to have seen a lot of my favorites, even in their decline, brought back. But... 
I'm, I've kind of lost sentiment in sports. And Albert leaving was part of the reason because there isn't and probably shouldn't be loyalty on either side. Why did the greatest, why did the Rams fail here? Well, at, at least before 2010, it's because the organization fell in love with the guys from the greatest show on turf. And as much as we loved Isaac and Tori and Orlando, they just couldn't do it anymore. They were used up as athletes and they they just couldn't play at a high level anymore. So it's cool to see the guy coming up to the plate in your uniform for one more year, but it might be two or three wins that his presence costs you that keeps you from winning a division. And if I learned anything about the state of Cardinal Nation heading into this season, it's that they're on the same page as you, Randy, where here's a team that went to the NLCS, and I've never seen the fan base be more discontent than they were heading into the 2020 season. That's right. You would have thought that they had a losing record, that they had missed the playoffs for a fourth straight season. People were not pleased with the way the season ended and the feeling that they had that this was not going to be a contender again. Imagine if you bring in a, an aging player for a farewell tour mm-hmm. that's prohibiting perhaps one of these younger players from growing. I think in the beginning, a lot of fans might love the novelty of it. They they might love seeing him back in the uniform because he was our guy for so long. But that's going to wear off quickly if he does not produce. And I think there's a big chance that, you know, based on the state of his career, that he wouldn't produce. It literally wouldn't end well. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, here's a, a couple of more texts. And we appreciate your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. From the 618, somebody wondering what would happen to the personal services clause in his angel contract 10 years after he retires. So he can keep playing and sign with somebody else. And that deal with Artie Moreno would kick in after he retires from baseball. And keep in mind, Ozzie had a 10-year personal services contract with the Cardinals after he retired. And that was kind of renegotiated because of the, the clash between Tony and Ozzie. So that really is a negotiable item, that personal services contract. And our friend Lisa texts in. She says, wonder what the Blues would have done with Bacchus. That's a perfect example. If Great he, call. He, we want, a lot of people wanted to keep him around because of sentiment. And he just couldn't play at that level anymore. And now he's a member of the Anaheim Ducks because he couldn't do it for Boston either. I wonder, wonder too, about the personal services contract. When that was negotiated, Artie Moreno thought he was acquiring a superstar that was going to change his franchise, essentially. Mm -hmm. And... While I'm sure he has a fondness for Albert, we can all agree that Albert was not that player that he signed that contract for. Um, And then you you add Mike Trout into the fold, who obviously superseded everything that he thought Albert would be. But I wonder if he's not more amenable to negotiating that personal services contract based on the fact that the fan base wouldn't be up in arms if he did so. That's a great point because, number one, Albert has hit some milestones, but he hasn't hit the milestones that Artie Artie Marino thought that he was going to hit his 756th home run, right? And maybe his 763rd and surpass Bonds. He thought he was going to be this iconic, legendary member of the Angels, which he's been a big part of the Angels. But throughout Albert's career there, the iconic guy has been Mike Trout. He's So I uh, Albert's legend has been surpassed there by Mike Trout's. So it might not be worth the while to give Albert a million or two a year for 10 years to be an ambassador for the club because he's not going to, Albert's not going to sell more tickets there as a non-player than Mike Trout will as a player. Which isn't a lot anyway. No. (laughs) 
Right. Well, they do, to their credit, they do okay. They're, you know, they they just take it easy. They they go there to be laid back and have fun. That's true. It's a different vibe. Yeah, it is. That is Michelle. I'm Randy, and it is Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Tim Kirchin of ESPN.com is going to join us. He's got some great things happening at ESPN.com. We're going to talk about that and more on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We always enjoy reading Tim Kirchin on ESPN.com and hearing from Tim at ESPN. And Tim needs his baseball fix, so he's providing us a daily baseball fix at ESPN.com. And Tim Kirchin joins us now with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. And Tim is on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Mr. Kirchin, always great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing really well. I just did a little segment on a Korean baseball organization game that's on ESPN this morning. This is where we are right now. We have Korean games on, and I'm watching. <laughs> I wonder, Tim, you know, the, the Cardinals signed a left-hander, KK, and Kwang Young Kim is his name, out of that Korean league. And he was probably going to be a part of their rotation had we started on time. I guess there are some players over there. Yeah, it's a very good league, and it, it's a little bit more like the major leagues than, say, the Japanese league is, which is probably a better league in Japan. But there's, you know, there's more defense in Japan. There's more little ball in Japan. Korean game is a little bit more like the United States game. They're trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark a little bit more often. Defense isn't as valued as much as it is in Japan. But there are some really good hitters and some really good players in Korea, and we've seen a bunch of them come to the United States and really flourish. So let's get more of them over here because they can play. Tim Kirkchen, in addition to ESPN showing those games every day, as we mentioned, you're doing your daily baseball fix. And today you write about Willie Mays. Today's his birthday. Willie was born in 1931. In terms of all-around play, and uh, we're about the same age, so we got to see the, the end of Willie's career. But from what we know and what we've seen, I think Willie Mays is the best all-around player of my lifetime. What about you? Yeah, he's the greatest player I've ever seen. And I think, as I wrote, when he came to the big leagues in 1951, baseball had never seen that kind of combination of power, speed, and defense. And I think... Basically, 70 years later, we still haven't seen anyone that combines those three quite as well as Willie Mays did. He won 12 gold gloves, most for a center fielder, most for anyone with 500 or more homers. He was an absolutely brilliant base runner. He had great speed. He had 660 homers. I think he's the greatest player. I know he's the greatest player I've ever seen. And I think after Babe Ruth, whose pitching exploits you know, really put him above anyone. I think Willie Mays is the second greatest player of all time. Tim, I know we're at the stage of this pandemic when we're watching KBO games and we're excited about it, but with all due respect to the KBO, we are jonesing for Major League Baseball, and we're seeing reports out there that July 1st might be the target date for baseball to return, but in your opinion, and I know it's tough to couch because obviously things are changing every day, different variables are coming up, but how close do you think that we are to baseball announcing a date that they're set to return? Well, I ask these questions every day, and I generally get people guessing on the other end of the phone because that's all that we're doing right now. However, yesterday, a guy who would know 
told me he thought we would get an announcement in the next two weeks that spring training would begin roughly June the 10th and the season would begin roughly July the 1st. Now, he has some inside information, but none of that information is is guaranteed yet. That's what we're all waiting for. And there are roadblocks all along the way here that could stop any sort of plan, as could a bunch of positive tests and everything else. But I I think, and it's just a gut feel uh, from the people I've spoken to, that I think we'll be playing Major League Baseball games sometime in July without fans in the stands. And if we could get an 80 to 100 game season in, I think we should take it and run. And, Tim, obviously it's going to be different. And as baseball fans, we have to accept that. Uh, how do you feel about the, the way it'll be set up with different divisions, uh, with maybe everybody utilizing the, the DH? How do you feel about what they're planning, or at least what we're reading that they're planning? Well, overall, for the most part, I'm totally against seven-inning games. I'm totally against you know, putting a runner at second base to start the 10th inning. And I'm totally against changing the divisional format. However, everything is changing now. We are under extraordinary circumstances, and I am in favor of whatever it takes to get players back on the field, uh, change the morale, improve the morale of the country, and get a lot of people, not just players, back to work. I think that's extremely important, of course, as long as it is safe. So if you want to change all the rules, put the DHs in, change the divisions, it's okay with me because anything is better than not playing at all. Tim, obviously the state of baseball and of the world is changing the way a lot of things would have potentially developed. And last week, Yadier Molina came out and said that, hey, my contract with the Cardinals it is expected, or excuse me, it's set to expire after this season, and that he was willing to go into free agency and entertain the idea of playing for another team. Do you think that the market for Yadier Molina after the 2020 season would be I don't want to say robust, but what do you think the market would be like for Yadier Molina? And do you think that another team would be interested in him? Uh, I think the market would be relatively strong. I think teams would be interested because not just of it. He's still a pretty good offensive player, but his defense leadership, his understanding, his running of the game is absolutely critical and cannot be properly measured by all the analytics and the metrics that we have today. So I think there would be a pretty good market for him for a team that says, hey, we need a veteran catcher who's going to teach our pitchers to throw the ball in the right place at the right time. I'm I'm sorry, though. I just can't see at this moment this happening. I understand money is money, but there are certain players, Cal Ripken, Tony Gwynn, Brooks Robinson, that I've grown up watching you just look at it and say, well, he's got to stay his whole career with that team. And that's how I look at Yadier Molina. So could he go somewhere else? Of course he could. Anything could happen in baseball. But my guess is one way or another, the Cardinals and Molina are going to find a way for him to play his entire career in St. Louis. It is interesting, Tim, though, in an age of analytics, what makes Yachty valuable is something that's immeasurable. Because if I have a young pitching staff, like you were talking about, I would want Yachty on my team. But how do you measure his ability to manage a pitching staff like he has since 2005? Well, you can't. And that's the problem with some of our new statistics, including war, which I 
pay great attention to, but there's no way that war can really get inside of what it means when Yadier puts a sign down behind the plate, looks at that pitcher, and says, you believe in me, you trust in me. That stuff is not measurable, and it's absolutely critical to the running of a baseball game. Dave Duncan told me years ago that they're in a pitcher's meeting and Yadier is running the pitcher's meeting as the catcher. Somebody said something like, well, you know, if we get ahead on this guy, we need to throw a slider. And Yadier said, no, 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 we did that three years ago. We got up 2-0 on this guy. We threw him a slider. Uh, 0-2 and threw him a slider. He had a home run. He remembered a pitch count and a certain situation from three years earlier. That's who he is that's what he brings to a team, and no matter how good his numbers are, he's better than his numbers for everything else he does. Um, another player, Tim, who said that he's maybe not ready to hang it up is Albert Pujols, and we know that the construction of baseball is going to look differently and that the DH might be part of that. So one of the hot topics here in St. Louis, one of those sports radio topics, is if Albert Pujols wants to play past the 2021 season in Anaheim and the DH is, in fact, something that the Cardinals are dealing with, could you see a reunion between Albert and St. Louis in that DH role? Uh, At the moment, I would say no, but is it out of the question? Absolutely not. Albert loved it in St. Louis, as he should have, and Cardinal fans and the Cardinals love Albert, as they should have. Anything is possible in baseball. I think it would be a a beautiful end to his career because his first 10 seasons in St. Louis, first 10 full seasons, were arguably the best first 10 seasons anyone's ever had. It would be very fitting since he won two World Series there to come back. But I'm not going there yet. i got to see where the DH is. i got to see where baseball is <laughs> after 2021. And I don't think he knows answer to that. And here's another point, Tim. Uh, in talking to Albert in January about when he came back last June, he said, that was the greatest thing in my career. And it's pretty incredible for all that he's accomplished. That, And I think he, the World Series he sets aside. But for all the things that he's accomplished, that weekend was the greatest thing in his career. And that might be put in the rearview mirror if he comes back in a Cardinal uniform. It would be nice if his last appearance in St. Louis was that glorious weekend in June here last year. Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, sometimes you you can't go back home. What's the old expression? But I think he could do whatever he wants because when if he's only going to play one more year and he wants to play in St. Louis, and of course they have a need for him, uh, then I, I think it's something that could happen. But my guess is at the moment I would say that's not going to happen. Hey, Tim, I want to get one more comment from you about this season, because if we're going to have a truncated spring training and a different season, it seems to me that that three batter minimum has to go out the window this year. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I'm not in favor of that. I just told you I'm in favor of whatever it takes (laughs) to get people back on the field. But that is not a good rule under any circumstances in any spot. I've never I've talked to one manager who thinks, yeah, this is a good idea. Managing in the big leagues is really hard to do anyway. And to put them in a box and put the handcuffs on that you have to do it this way, 
I think is a mistake. And given how strange this season's going to be, to add a brand new rule like that, I, I don't think makes any sense. I think we need to simplify things for this year, not make them more complicated because the whole game is going to be so complicated this year with all the things we need to do in order just to get a season in. I say drop the three batter rule and move on from there. Tim, as you know, here in St. Louis, we need our baseball fix and we appreciate what you're providing us at ESPN.com and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks so much. See you guys. Thank you, Tim. That's uh, the great Tim Kirkchen with us on 101 ESPN. Don't forget that Baseball Fix Daily at ESPN.com and today featuring Willie Mays, whose birthday is today. Born in 1931, came up in 1951. Yeah, he was pretty good. Gold glove, maybe the best defensive center fielder of all time. Could steal a base whenever he needed to. Could throw. Obviously made the iconic catch in the World Series against Cleveland. And hit 660 home runs. And people that saw the switch from when they, the Giants moved from New York to San Francisco say the Candlestick Park probably cost him the opportunity to hit more home runs than Hank Aaron. Wow. So, so he was good. He was really good. <laughs> Coming up, Freeze Pops is standing by. We've got Wake Up or Snooze with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Randy, Freeze Pops is here for Wake Up or Snooze. And you can uh, send your Wake Up or Snoozes in to the Air Comfort Service text line, <laughs> 65780, if you'd like to participate. If you don't know what Wake Up or Snooze is, because it is a relatively new show, this is our third day, uh, just think of the fast lane and take it or leave it. Or think of like ESPN, Truth or Trash. And this is just a blatant ripoff of those, but it's our <laughs> name for the morning, Wake Up or Snooze. And... Uh, Freeze Pops has some for you and for us. Take it away. All right, let's get things rolling here. Wisconsin has now become the second state to do away with requiring a driver's test for teenagers to receive a driver's license. Georgia led the way on this last week. And apparently this is a cost-saving measure for the government because of the pandemic. Getting rid of driver's tests for teens is a smart idea. Wake up or snooze. I will have to snooze on that. Because I think that not only should driver's tests be required the first time you ever start driving when you're 16, but I think as we get older, when I get to 70, I think I should have to take a driver's test every year. I would take a driver's test every year. I would too. Yeah, I'm going to snooze big time on this one. There's a huge difference between being book smart and reading the, the pamphlet and all the information required and passing the driver's test than getting in a vehicle and driving and proving that you can actually do it. And I understand it's a cost-saving measure. I understand you don't want people to have to come in and physically be in the department and get in a vehicle with a stranger. I understand the logistics are tricky. But I also think if people are required to stay home, then they shouldn't be needing to get their driver's licenses anyway. That's a great point. <laughs> so why are we saying, hey, when you are allowed to get out and do this, yeah, here you go. Yeah. Just get behind the wheel of a car for the yeah. first time without having proven that you can do it and that you're safe driving. You're a safe driver. Kids can wait. My kids waited. I waited to get a driver's license. So kids can wait. And I know that the rule does include parental approval and you have to have your permit for a year. But that doesn't mean you're a good driver. You're exactly right. So I'm totally going to snooze on this. ESPN came out with a piece that ranked all 115 World Series champions all time. And it did not show a lot of love for recent Cardinals teams. The 2011 Cardinals ranked 91st. And the 2006 Cardinals ranked 107th. 
St. Louis should be offended by these rankings. Wake up or snooze. I'm going to wake up because whenever you have a world champion, you are emotionally tied (laughs) to them. But, like, BT would be totally offended by this because he played on the 2006 Cardinals. That being said, if you step away and you look at it objectively, that the, the 2006 Cardinals won 83 games. I would argue that of all the playoff teams that Tony La Russa had in St. Louis, as a matter of fact, of all the playoff teams that the Bill DeWitt regime has had since 1996, I would say the two worst playoff teams were 06 and 11. Which shows you how random baseball is, right? It, it is, yeah. So, and we should clarify, these rankings are based on how good the team was, not mm-hmm. how great the World Series was, right? Right, right. Because I think a lot of people look at this and they say, both teams were underdogs, both teams had dramatic, magical moments, they should be higher. But this is strictly how good that team was. And I'm going to snooze on this because I think what you said is correct. And the fact that, I mean, look at the... 2011 Cardinals, they were 10 and a half games out. Mm -hmm. They really went on a magical, it's not that they were a bad team, but they went on a magical stretch to get to where they were. I don't think that if you took the 2004 Cardinals on paper and the 2011 Cardinals and said, hey, you pick your poison, that many people would go with the 2011 Cardinals. 100% correct. And when USA Today was a thing in 2006, and it's we love it on airplanes now, and we love, love it in hotels. I, I'm still a fan of USA Today, but it, <laughs> it was a big deal in 2006. USA Today picked the Tigers to win the World Series in three. <laughs> what a burn. Yeah. Wow. So the, the Cardinals did win. Hey, you know what? It's the 115 World Series champions of all time. So uh, there's a lot of other teams. You're one of the 115 world champions. Just take that. You know, your team has the trophy. Yeah. Thank you, Randy. Positivity. (laughs) As we all know, it was Utah Jazz Center Rudy Gobert's positive COVID-19 test that started the pause in the sports world. And it was reported in the days before this, Gobert was joking around about COVID-19 in the locker room and wound up giving all-star guard Donovan Mitchell the coronavirus. But it's now being reported that Mitchell is ready to put this behind them and move forward. We believe Mitchell when he says he's moving forward from his teammate acting like a clown and giving him COVID-19. Wake up or snooze. I'm going to wake up on this one, Michelle. When Gobert did that, and remember when he touched all the machines and stuff, I didn't think that COVID-19 was as serious as it is. I was uneducated about it, and I thought it was kind of funny. It's something that I would have done. So I would <laughs> you hope definitely would have done that, yeah. Randy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would hope that there would be a level of forgiveness on the part of Donovan Mitchell. Hey, it happened. I'm sure that Rudy Gobert is embarrassed and sad about it, but it's past now. Fortunately for those two, they got past it, and I would hope that Mitchell would be ready to move on. Yeah, I'm sure while he was dealing with COVID-19, Donovan Mitchell was stewing and cursing Mm -hmm. the ground that Rudy Gobert walks on. And I'm sure even weeks after that, he was still upset with him. But I think we've gotten to the point with this pandemic where we're so ready to get back to some sense of normalcy or normality. Excuse me, Randy. (laughs) I've learned that that normality is the correct verbiage there. But I think... you're, You're willing to look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is that you're wanting to get back to work and you're wanting that team environment that so many athletes are used to and are probably really missing right about now. And part of getting back to that is forgiving your teammate and moving forward. And I think that 
Uh, I'm going to wake up on this one. I'm also going to snooze a little bit because the first time Rudy Gobert upsets Donovan Mitchell, I'm sure that that, hey, remember when you gave me COVID is going to pop back up. (laughs) It was reported yesterday that the Jets have signed veteran running back Frank Gore to a one-year deal. Gore turns 37 on May 14th. The oldest modern-day running back in NFL history was Marcus Allen at 37 years old back in 1997. Frank Gore cannot be stopped, and he will be the first 40-year-old running back in NFL history. Wake up or snooze. I'm going to snooze on this one. As much as I would love to see it, I love watching Frank Gore play. I think that to bet on the durability of a running back is a fool's errand, and I'm not going to be the one to do it. I'm going to totally wake up on this one (laughs) because the last three teams he's played for have been the Dolphins and the Bills and now the Jets. Frank Gore is going to New England. He's going to run the AFC East (laughs) gauntlet there, and he's going to keep picking up 500 yards every season, and he's going to wind up passing Walter Payton, and only Emmitt Smith will end his career with more rushing yards than Frank Gore. I love it. Come on over. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, here's the next one. There have been whispers about a possible Kevin Durant return for the Nets if the NBA returns late enough this summer. Even if he's healthy, Kevin Durant should sit out the remainder of this season and come back fully healthy for the 2020-2021 season. Wake up or snooze. I'm going to wake up on this one. I know that KD is probably itching to get out there and probably feels great and feels healthy. But for this season, the remainder of this season, I know you want to get out there and get back into that groove and get some actual games in. But imagine if for some reason you re-aggravated that injury and it was in the end of a season that doesn't necessarily matter for you and it impacts your future moving forward I would just take this time if I was him to continue rehabbing and make sure that when I do come back for a full season I'm that much more healed and ready to go I'm going to wake up because I think that Kevin Durant should expose himself to athletics as little as possible because he's never going to be what he was before. He's never going to be great again. And we want to remember his greatness. And I would hope that he would want us to remember that greatness. And the best thing for him to do, like you said, is to rehab. And then when he comes back next year and gets hurt, it'll be at least, you know, he started a season because I don't want him getting hurt this season. But those Achilles, the only guy that's really come back from an Achilles is Kobe for that year. And he was never the same. Mm Basketball players don't come back from that injury, and I think KD and those legs, those skinny little legs, he's not coming back from that. Mm-mm. Thank you, Freeze Pops. Thank you, Randy. And uh, by the way, if Frank Frank Gore, he is a little over 1,000, 1,400 yards behind Walter Payton, so when he goes to the Patriots at the age of 40, <laughs> he's going to pass Payton, and Emmett is going to be the only guy that finishes his career. With, unless Gore plays till he's 45, and then he might even pass Emmett, too. Is he on the TB12 method? He'll have to be. That's right. Yeah, they'll get together. I'm sure Tom still has an office there, right? It's all about pliability, Randy. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Next up, we're going to take a fresh look at a fresh take as we hopefully get baseball back. That's next on 101 ESPN.